All right, all right. Good morning and Happy New Year. Uh, <clears throat> we hope that um, each of you would uh, take advantage of some of the offerings that we have, particularly going outside of these walls to share, uh, share the good news with, um, with those who may not know. Um, over the last several months, we have been doing a series of messages and um, to kind of help people take their next step, whatever that next step might be on your journey with Jesus. So we started with identity, and uh, some people took their next step and were baptized. Uh, we started, uh, we continued with uh, Bible engagement. Some people took their next step, and you started reading the Bible more consistently at least four times a week. Uh, then we went to the next month, we talked about, uh, we talked about prayer. And uh, some of you took the next step, and uh, you started uh, prayer groups. Not only that, but you, um, you joined the prayer um, class that, we, uh, that we're offering. And then last month, we talked about mission. And many of you, um, you signed up for the kingdom, advan uh, not the kingdom advancement grants, but the, uh, the grants to... Um, uh, to, to bless the neighborhoods. And so you, uh, many of you took your next steps. And so this uh, month we're talking about uh, community. What does it look like for us to live in community? Now part of the reason why we're doing uh, these is because we kind of wanted to go back to the basics of what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to walk with Jesus? And community is one aspect of walking with Jesus. Now, some of, this, some of this we'll share today, you already know. Whether you know it, um, someone has taught it to you, uh, or you know it intuitively, and this is this, that God created us for community, that God created us for relationship. Stitched deep in our lives and in our souls is this um, it's this ache, is this desire for community, and we need community to actually help one another win. We need community to help one another face challenges in life. We need, to, uh, we need community and relationship because we can't do uh, this journey with Jesus all by ourselves. Now, um, there's a, a guy by the name of Paul not the Apostle Paul, who actually helps us to understand this desire that's deep inside every single one of us. There's this dude by the name of Paul O'Sullivan from Baltimore. Some of you may have heard this story already that came out several years ago. Uh, Paul is uh, from Baltimore, and Paul O'Sullivan was bored one night and decided to look up his name on Facebook. So he looked up, other, looked up other Paul O'Sullivans and found a whole slew of Paul O'Sullivans on Facebook. And then as he forged through, forged through, uh, there were at least three that not only had his same name, but also had his same interest, and that is music. So what he decided to do, he decided to message these other three Pauls. And um, they were skeptical at first, but eventually they formed a really tight bond. 
And so as they talked and talked and talked, the Paul from Baltimore said, hey, we should start a band. And guess what? The four of them started a band in 2016, and they, um, they, their first album was called Internet Famous. And, um, and they had six cover songs and one original song. Uh, you probably would not guess the band's name. The Paul O'Sullivan Band. And these are the Pauls. The Paul Baltimore Paul, he's the one who started all of this. All of them are from different areas. Baltimore Paul, Pennsylvania Paul, Manchester, UK Paul, and Rotterdam, Netherlands Paul. These are two boomers, one Gen Xer, and one millennial. From across the spectrum, same interest in music with the same name, and they created a band. Isn't that amazing? And in 2016, as they started this, they actually rehearsed virtually. They never came together. And so when 2020 hit the pandemic, they had already perfected remote practice. They had already perfected virtual practice, and, um, and these guys came together, and they created this band. Listen to what one of them said. We've been social distancing since 2016. That's when the pandemic happened, said Baltimore Paul. We perfected the system of remote collaboration before it was even relevant. And so these dudes, Paul, these Pauls, felt something that we all feel, and they put their finger on something that God actually put his finger on early in the biblical story. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, you can't really get lost because it's the first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 2. And this is what it says. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man that the man should be alone. I will make him uh, a helper fit for him. So, so here we have God creating the world. And not only, are, is he, not only did he create the world, he created man. He created Adam in this moment. He's not created Eve yet. He's created Adam in this moment. And so he looks around, and um, the, um, God has created the animals, and Adam has, um, has be he begins to name the animals. But we have something very interesting here, which is God says it is not good for man that he should be alone. Now, this, this phrase, it is not good, it is not ideal. It is not according to God's ultimate will for humanity to be alone. Loneliness and isolation, they were never, ever a part of God's will for humanity. It is not good for humanity, for man to be alone. Now, when we look at this on the surface, it looks to contradict all that God has said up to this point. Because God has created, and he said, he said, literally he pronounces everything as good. And then when he creates Adam and Eve, or he creates 
Adam uh, at the, the, um, the last part of chapter 1. He says it, he looked around at everything that he had created, and he pronounces that it is very good. Now, the question is, how can everything that God made be good and yet at the same time be not good in this case? Well, the puzzle was kind of resolved because in the first chapter of Genesis, we see God creating the entire world six days. And yet, he finds the world incomplete. Not that the world is flawed, but it's incomplete. Because on the seventh day, he sanctifies the world and he gives us Sabbath. He gives us rest. The text says that God rested. Not that he was tired, but he stitched into the world system that this idea that we must rest. Work and rest, work and rest. So the same is true with the creation of Adam and when God says it is not good. It's not that the creation of Adam was flawed. The creation of Adam was incomplete. It's that God saw that there was something more that needed to be added. And something, the something more that needed to be added was community. The something more that needed to be added was relationship. Is that God never created you and me to live in isolation. He never created us to live in such a way where we were friendless and we were incomplete. And so God made man and he created this amazing environment for him. He created almost the idyllic environment where he, um, where he had the kind of the perfect work environment. He had beauty of nature around him. And yet out of all of that, he recognizes that the man who is created for relational connection was still lonely. Which lets me know that it doesn't matter how much money we have. It doesn't matter how big our house is. It doesn't matter how many friends we have on Facebook and social media. That, that, that God says that, that you can still be lonely in the midst of all of that. You can still be lonely in the most beautiful place in the world. And so God says... It's not good for man that he should be alone. And so God created man with this ache inside of him, with this desire inside of him to share life with another human being. Now, I want to say, I want to say, and I'm going to, you probably hear me say this often uh, throughout this time, is that the immediate context is, uh, is marriage, what God is going to do for Adam, but the larger context is community and relationship. So I want to kind of keep that in mind. Derek Kittner, Old Testament scholar, says this, man will not live until he loves, giving himself away to another on his own level. So God created man, but he makes this divine pronouncement, it is not good. We can walk on the most beautiful beaches and hike the most beautiful wilderness paths, even rejoicing in it. But there is something inside of us that even looking at the beauty of nature, there's something missing inside. We can have mountains of money, and money will never, ever satisfy the deep ache that every human being 
has inside of his or her soul. We can surround ourselves with all of the good things of the world and still be isolated and lonely. We can live in the big and best houses and admire the beauty of it and still suffocate from friendlessness and suffocate from this, this incomplete relational connection. And so God says it's not good. Now, the interesting thing is in chapter 1, God spoke and things came into being. There was this instantaneous kind of, um, kind of result. But in this case, it seems that God actually delays the provision. He recognizes the aloneness or the loneliness, the isolation of man, of Adam, and yet it seems like he delays the provision of the fulfillment. And I started asking myself the question, why would God do that? And I believe there might be two reasons. The first one is, is that God wanted to drum up suspense. How will God handle this problem? How will God handle the loneliness of man? I think God still kind of does that. The, the suspense, we're wondering if God is going to do, is God, is God going to provide something to take the, the loneliness away? So I think he does it for suspense. But I think he also does it so that man could feel his loneliness. I think God does it so that Adam could feel his loneliness, so that, so that Adam might look to God for the provision and not anything else. I think sometimes that God allows us to sit in the pain of our stuff so that all the other things that we've tried, we've come up wanting with those things, and finally we look to God. God, you provide the relationship. You provide the friendship. God, you provide the community that I need. And so I think God, I think he allows man to feel the loneliness so that when God satisfies it, there's a deeper satisfaction that, that Adam has. And so God looks at Adam and says, man, it's not good. It's not good that you are alone. Now, we see this in Scripture. We see this in Scripture all over. But there's one particular verse that, or, or a couple of passages that actually help us to see what God said in Genesis 2.18. It's going to be on the screen. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. And this is what it says. Two are better than one because they have a good, re a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And so we see, we see played out all throughout Scripture. God saying it's not good. It's not good that you're alone. It's not good that I'm alone. It's not good that I'm, I'm isolated. It's not good that you're isolated. I think we felt this three years ago, close to four years ago now. 
We knew deep down in our, in our soul that it wasn't good, but I think the pandemic actually exacerbated what we were already feeling, that it's not good for any human being to be alone. But when we were isolated, socially isolating, in our homes, we felt it even more. And we're still feeling the psychological effects of that today. You know how? In this generation, uh, the present generation, there's... Um, uh, I read an article recently that um, this present generation are still feeling the is still feeling the psychological effects of the pandemic. And here's how. Here's one example. That individuals go to the restaurant and they are afraid to talk to the server to make their order. And there, there are a number of stories connected to this. So what they did, so what, what many individuals do, they look at the menu ahead of time, and in looking at the menu ahead of time, they get to the restaurant, they will not face the server, but they will give their order to another at the table so they can give their order to the server. It is not good for us to be alone. It is not good, it is not ideal, it's not God's will for you and me to be isolated and by ourselves. We know it intuitively. We feel the ache inside of us. Only what God has already said. It's not good. We all need community. But God, God actually recognizes the what. The, um, the plight of, of Adam, but then he does something about it. Back to chapter 2. He actually does something about it. Verse 18, this is the second part of verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So first, God creates all of the animals, birds of the air, scurrying things that scurry on the ground, he creates all of these creatures, and he gives, he parades them past Adam so that he can name them. And Adam recognizes that everybody is booed up but him. Everybody has a bay but him. Everybody, you know, everybody is connected but him. So he sees the animals, and, and the, you know, he sees the cats, and the male cat says to the female cat, you're so purdy, and so it's like, a, like, like he recognizes that. I don't know if the animals swipe right. I don't know, I'm, I don't know all of that. In other, the, but they all are connected, and Adam looks and says, where's my boo? And I think God sees that, and God says, I am going to give you a helper. Though the immediate context is marriage, the larger context is human community. I want you to keep that in mind. The immediate context is marriage, but the larger context is that you and I have been designed by God for community. Now, this is a very interesting word. Oh, that adolescence coming out again. I will make, a, make him a helper fit for him. We were not designed to face life alone, so God gave Adam a helper. Now, this word is a very, very interesting word. Don't miss this. 
The word is azer. Everybody say azer. It's in your notes. Now, I want to say this. This word, azer, that's given to the woman, is never, ever meant to communicate that the woman in um, the wife in the relationship or a female in general is subservient to men. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that women are second-class citizens. It actually means just the opposite. Listen to how this word is used throughout Scripture. Twice it's used of women Three times it's used of a military support. Sixteen times it's used of God. And the word helper is, it, it simply means, one who saves and rescues. It means the one who is always strong. So when we look at this, we are seeing that God is almost giving to Adam this idea, here is your Savior, here is your rescuer, small s Savior. Here is someone who is going to make you better. Here is someone who is going to complete you. And every married man in the room knows that our wives have rescued and saved us from some junk. And so when we look at this, this is not just, this is not just someone who comes along and is subservient. This is someone who is a strong support. This is someone who rescues, who saves. This is someone who comes alongside and says, you are incomplete without me. Now, that's the immediate context of marriage. But I want to um, fly up a little bit higher. That means everybody in this room, you need an azer. You need someone who can come alongside and support you and care for you and rescue you when you get in trouble and to help you battle life's troubles and challenges. Everybody in this room, you need an azer. Adam wasn't the only one that needed an azer. That is, a wife in this immediate sense. Everybody in this room needs someone to walk with them through the tough parts of life. It is not good for you and I to live and be isolated and alone by ourselves. Now, let me say this. There are times where we have to have silence and solitude so that we might know God better. And so there's a time where we intentionally pull back in solitude so that we might feel the presence of God, so that we might come back into life and relationship and have something to offer. Every azer should be moving an individual closer to God. Every azer should be helping someone else who is a believer know God better. Adam had Eve as his azer. And he was in that moment complete. Now, again, he's worshiping God. God, yes, yes, God is enough. We just sang about that. 
Yet God creates us as emotion, uh, uh, relational and social beings. Yes, we need God, but we need one another. We need other people to walk alongside us, challenge our thinking, help us to love God better. And so, God clearly has created us for community. Listen to what one rabbi says. Whoever has no wife or friend exists without goodness, without a helpmate, without joy, without blessing, without atonement, without well-being, without full life. Indeed, such a one reduces the representation of the divine image of God on earth. Now, what this rabbi is saying is, is that when you and I are isolated, when you and I are alone, we actually reduce the image of the image bearingness of God in one another. When I let you stay alone, when you let me stay alone, when we fail to connect with one another, we are actually reducing the image of God in one another because we were created to be together. Now, listen, listen, living in community is difficult. You got mess, I got mess, you got junk, I got junk. And there are days where we say, you know something? I can do bad all by myself. I don't need anybody else to help me do that. So some of us in this room, we have trouble with living in community. I know sometimes I do. I'm selfish at times. I, I love doing things by myself at times. When someone says, let me help you, I say, no, I got it. And that's pride speaking. I don't want to feel, I don't want to appear weak. And I think some of that is a part of our upbringing, part of mine at least. So because I don't want us to appear weak, I can do it all by myself. And yet God makes a divine pronouncement, it's not good. So you need an azer. You need someone to actually support. You need someone to actually walk with you. You need someone to actually help to push you toward God. That's the reason when, we, when you hear us talking about, you hear us talking about get into a disciple-making group or join the marriage community or when you hear us talk about um, be, become a part of a small group where you can gather around the scripture together or get in triads or two or three other people where you can gather around the word of God and support one another and encourage one another. It's not that we're, we're, it's, it's not that we're just trying to blow smoke. We're, we're saying it's not good. It's not good that we are alone. We're, it's not good that we're by ourselves. So we, we, we encourage you to connect with another person because we recognize what God, the divine pronouncement that it's not good, it really does matter that we are in community with one another. Isolation was never the norm. Friendlessness was never the norm. God created us to actually be in community. So how do we live this out? How do we live this out? And we can look at Galatians chapter 6, verses uh, 1 through, uh, one through one and 2, and then verse 10. You'll see it on the screen. Dear brothers and sisters, uh, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this same way, obey the law of Christ. The, uh, the law of Christ is love. Love, uh, love God and love other people. 
So when you and I share one another's burdens, we're actually showing how much we love God, but also how much we love the other person. Verse 10, therefore, uh, whenever we have the opportunity, we should uh, do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So here are two things, how we can begin to live this out. There's probably more there, but I wanted to at least highlight two things. The first one is, live in the plural and not the singular. Live in the plural and not the singular. Listen to what Paul says, the, the apostle Paul, dear brothers and sisters. He is talking to a community. He is talking to a community that are bound together, not by music, but by the blood of Jesus. Brothers and sisters from different walks of life, brothers and sisters different ages, brothers and sisters a different socioeconomic background, And these individuals, Paul is saying, brothers and sisters, I want you to live in the plural and not the singular. In our world today, there are so many people living in the singular. I can do it all by myself. But Paul is talking to an entire community. And just like you and I, we are a community called Trinity Church. You belong to a community. You don't belong to an individual group. You belong to this community called Trinity. And we are We should be at least for one another. We should be helping one another strive to take the next step. So live in the plural and not the singular. So if you are not a part of a group, if you're not a part of a community, I would strongly, strongly encourage you Begin to ask questions. Hey, if you've connected with someone here at Trinity Church, begin asking questions. Hey, can we get together for coffee? Because right now, I don't have an Azer. I, I, don't, I don't have an, I, now, now I'm, not, I'm, not asking you to, I'm not asking you to be my best friend. I know that's kind of weird and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just letting you know, I, I see something in you. And you're walking with God. And you have something that I don't have would, would you be, would you help me and support me? Would you help me to know how you are living for Jesus? Can, can you help me to understand how you're reading the Bible? That's living plurally, not singularly. Because everybody in this room needs an Azer. And then secondly, pick up somebody else's burden. Pick up somebody else's burden. Now, I know we have our own burdens, but there are moments where God gives you reprieve. And now it's time to actually help someone else. So let me see if I can illustrate this, and then we'll take communion together. So these are, these are burdens. These bad boys are heavy, too. (laughs) I think these are 40s or 45s or something like that. And everybody, everybody in this room, whether you got 40s or whether you got 35s or whether you got 20s, whether you got 10s, you're carrying something. And you're walking. You're doing, all, you're doing your stuff. You're in a marriage, and you're, there's nobody around you. You're the only married couple, 
and you're doing marriage alone. You're doing finances alone. You're, you're alone, you're isolated, and you're carrying the burden all by yourself. You have no Azer. Right now, I have no Azer on this platform. And these things are getting heavy. And there are days where I trip and I fall. And I get tired. My heart is racing now real bad, too, so <laughs> I, I'm tired. And I can't get up. I mean, I, I, I can, but these things are heavy. But then I recognize the Spirit of God speaks to me in this passage that said, you need an azer. So I'm going to call Brian. Brian, if you can come up for a second. So I'm, I'm carrying the burdens. And so I pick up the phone and I say, dude, Brian, these, this, these burdens are heavy. Marriage is heavy. I'm struggling right now. And, and a good azer, a good helper would, would, would do what? Okay, let you help. Okay, can you come get them? <laughs> All right, so Brian... Brian is walking, and, and he gets, it gets heavy for him. And keep walking, and it gets heavy, and oh, man, it's like, whoa, he stops, and it's hard for him. So, John, can you, can you come up for a second? So I know that he works out. That's the reason I picked him, and I know he's big, so... And so Brian, if Brian is in connection, he's living plurally, not singularly. Brian calls up John and says, John, hey, dude, I'm struggling right now. Can you help me? And so. These are heavy. Okay. <laughs> he said, these are heavy. And so, so I, I now got reprieve. And so I'll say, hey, John, I know, man, I see that you're struggling. Or you call me, you text me, hey, I'm struggling. Hey, listen, pick up somebody else's burden. Aaron, can you come up for a second? See, he didn't know he was going to work out this morning. I should have told him. Then he wouldn't have wore the suit. So then I, I call Aaron, and I say, Aaron, look, dude, I'm struggling right now. I need an azer. And when, see, see, that word actually begins to create a culture here is that I am without an azer or I need an azer. And when I say that, Aaron understands, hey, I'm going to pick that up. (laughs) (laughs) And what we have here is a community of supporting one another, of caring for one another, of rescuing one another, of sharing and picking up the burden of one another. You all can put that down. So I, he said, thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate you all. Everybody in this room, you need an azer. Some of you already have them. Some of you have a community of azers who you meet with on a regular basis. And I celebrate that. But there are others in the room 
you're living life all by yourself. And God says it's not good. Our response as a church and our response as individuals is to be, is to be ready to listen, to be ready to welcome, to be ready to be patient with one another, to love one another, which we're going to hear about this morning. So this very, very simple text, it is not good, and then God makes it good by giving Adam a wife, an azer, a helper, a rescuer, a support, larger context. It is not good for us to be alone. So what does God do? God gives us one another. He gives us one another to hold up one another's arms, to help carry burdens that get too heavy for us. Now, the best way, best way we can celebrate community is through communion. So if you can take your elements out. And the, the bread and the cup represents Jesus' broken body. And the juice represents Jesus' shed blood. His body was broken so that we might come together. And his blood was shed so that we might have our sins forgiven. So when we think about the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. It's the vehicle by which he saved us. And then he called us into the same family. Short, tall, big, small, Latino, Latina, black, white, Asian. That, that's an amazing thing. When I look around this room right now, we have all kinds. And why are we even together? It's because of the blood of Jesus. Outside of the blood of Jesus, I would almost guarantee we would not be together. Outside the blood of Jesus, because we have our preferences, we would not be together. But it's the blood of Jesus that makes this community what it is. And you're a part of this community, and you are important. You are a piece of the puzzle that makes this mosaic what it is. No matter where you're from, what side of the tracks you're from, what kind of baggage you have, you belong here. It's because of the blood of Jesus. And so, as we celebrate community together through communion, this cup represents his broken body. Let's eat together. This cup represents his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's drink together. If you have, um, if you want someone to pray with you, I'm going to ask our uh, prayer team and our elders and deacons to come forward.
they'll be waiting to pray with you at the end of the service. Be waiting for you at the end of the service to pray with you, pray for you. Let's stand together. Man, this is an amazing community. Uh, not because of anything that we do. It's all because of what God does. And the fact that you're here today and you're making this place of your church home. If you're a visitor, and we welcome you to be a part of this community. If you're your first time, man, welcome. If you've been here for a while, man, we say take your next step, whatever that next step is, whether it's community, whether it's baptism, whether it's prayer, whether it's Bible engagement, take your next step. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for pronouncing this, um, yeah, it's not good for us to be alone. Thank you also for stitching in our DNA this desire, this ache um, to be in community with one another, baggage and all. Thank you for creating within us this desire to be connected to another person. And so we ask that this, this year, that we would truly feel what it means to be authentic in our relationships, that we would truly share our lives with one another not surface, not superficial, but truly sharing our lives so that we might be healed, so that we might um, experience a community in a different way. Thank you for this church called Trinity. And I pray that um, you, you would bless us just like you did the, the church in Acts. For those who are struggling with community, that you would accelerate it by the power of your spirit. Those who are afraid of community, I pray you would take their fear away. Those who have struggled in the past to actually be a part of community, I pray that you would lower the walls and remove obstacles. Make us the kind of church that have azers all around, ready to share the load, support one another, care for one another, rescue one another when, that's, uh, when, it's, when it's necessary, picking up burdens. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.